And hello from Boise, Idaho and Idaho Education News. This is Extra Credit, your weekly podcast looking at politics and education. I'm Kevin Richard. And I'm Clark Corbin. And we're going to spend the balance of our show this week talking about a story that you broke this week, Clark, taking a close look at how much the state has spent to try to boost math scores and what kind of results the state got for its money. So we're going to dive into that in a couple of minutes and, and take a closer look at that. It's, it's an important story and one we urge you to read, and we'll give you the rundown here on the podcast. But we're going to start by uh, looking at a couple of headlines that uh, broke this week and, and stories that we already have uh, as well on idaoitnews.org. It's back to school time across the state. Uh, districts are opening their doors. Uh, some have already opened. And districts across the state are dealing with the fallout from a uh, court ruling back in November uh, regarding student fees. Uh, basically, uh, schools can no longer charge fees to students to take classes. Uh, this was found to be a violation of the state constitution. So I took a close look at what's going on in some of the school districts. And what I found, a lot more of an emphasis now on optional fees, on trying to... Uh, find ways to make up the money within budgets, maybe using some, some funds from other sources. And also something interesting, a lot, uh, a lot of an effort to kind of shorten up those back-to-school supply lists that the parents get every year. Uh, fewer items, maybe more generic shopping lists for parents designed to try to uh, reduce the cost of uh, gearing kids up for the new school year. That wasn't as much addressed in the November court ruling as in another lawsuit that was filed this summer that, that really takes a, a run at the uh, student supply list issue. So anyway, go to idoednews.org and get caught up on that. Yeah, absolutely. Another story that I had a chance to take a closer look at uh, was how the state is gearing up for this new accountability model uh, that's going to take effect. Uh, Kevin, as you remember, the state board approved last week uh, the initial framework for the accountability system. And uh, I took a closer look at what's going to happen this coming school year uh, during the dry run, during the field test. And uh, the short version here is that if you're interested in how this plan is put together and some of the terms that are defined, a lot of that work is really going to take place over the next two months. In September and October, there are public forums across the state to help taxpayers and educators get geared up for this new accountability system. We also have to do some work with defining some of the terms and uh, creating a plan to send to the federal government to talk about what's going to happen to these schools if they get on improvement plans and the timelines and so forth. But the short version is not a lot is going to happen uh, for school administrators and educators right now. But at the end of the school year, there will be some likely additional reporting requirements uh, to go into this accountability model. And then the next school year, 17-18, is when it takes off for real. So if you're interested in how you can get involved with these public forums and share feedback, or if you want to learn more about the accountability model, go to idahoednews.org and check it out. Also, Kevin, earlier this week, uh, there was a little bit of news about a bump in state endowment money. This was news out of the land board. What did you find out? Okay, so the land board this week, and that's a panel of five statewide elected officials, decided to, uh, to boost the endowment for public schools by $10.3 million. Now, this is new money, but it won't show up until next summer. The land board sets those endowment uh, payments uh, pretty far in advance. What's significant here is that the land board had about $10.3 million in increased proceeds from timber sales, from returns on investment, and, and on and so forth. They put the entire $10.3 million increase into public schools. 
the endowment benefits universities, uh, state hospitals. So there are a bunch of beneficiaries, but all of the increase is going to K through 12. Again, 10.3 million. General fund budget for public schools is 1.5 billion. So it's not a huge amount of money, but a little bit of news out of the land board this week. So now let's uh, turn our focus to another big, uh, a really big sum of money that has been put into trying to boost math scores in Idaho, uh, Idaho schools. A lot of money. What kind of results did we see? Give us the rundown of the story, the short version, and then we'll go into this further. Yeah, the short version is uh, back in 2008, the state launched uh, a major math initiative, Kevin. They invested $16.5 million in this math initiative over a seven-year period. They also ramped up funding for professional development for teacher instruction to the tune of about another $118 million over that time. So over seven years, we've got this big math initiative that was rolled out. Uh, the lawmakers and the public were promised that that would increase student achievement across K through 12 uh, in math, and we ran some numbers and we found out that uh, that that did not happen. And in fact, if you look at some key indicators talking about grade level benchmarks, Idaho students' math scores slipped uh, over that time period. That was kind of the key uh, takeaway, and this was something that I've been looking forward to digging into uh, for quite a while. Now, you focused on one testing metric, the NAEP test, but really, we've seen this with a lot of standardized test scores over the past couple of years. We've seen it with the SAT scores. We saw it with the first round of the SVAC scores. Uh, these stagnant, flat math scores have been a concern for a while, but, but you focused in on NAEP, so explain why NAEP. And what's significant about that particular example? We focused on NAEP for a couple of reasons. Number one, it's a nationwide uh, test, and so you can kind of compare where Idaho stands uh, to other kids in the country and, and other states and so forth. But also, uh, NAEP is one of the common through lines through this whole period. Uh, it hasn't really changed, uh, but while this was going on, while this math initiative was being rolled out and the funding was ramped up, um, Idaho changed, Kevin, uh, its math standards. They adopted the new Idaho core standards in math, and then in 2014-15 started taking a new assessment test, the SBAC. Uh, so there's really just one year uh, of SBAC data uh, to look at. The content standards uh, were changed. The testing was changed at the state level. So that's why we looked at, at NAEP, uh, which showed that proficiency levels, let's just look at eighth grade math, for instance, uh, when the math initiative was being rolled out, about 38% of our 8th graders scored at grade level benchmarks on the NAEP. Seven years later, uh, after all that funding was invested, that dropped 4% to 34%. Uh, but if NAEP's not your thing, you can look at the SAT results. About 35% of Idaho high school students this year hit the benchmarks that the test developers said are likely to lead to success in college with at least a C average. Or if you want to look at SBAC, because that's aligned to Idaho's new standards, it was uh, about 30% of high school students reached grade level proficiency during that first year of testing. And so this is widespread uh, and to the point that it, it's kind of sending shockwaves through the highest levels of, of state government. Uh, last week, our superintendent of public instruction, Sherry Ibarra, uh, speaking at the State Board of Education meeting, said, quote, our math scores are stagnant and we need to do something about it. So before we get to the what do we need to do about it, right. let's, let's, let's recap here. The what happened, $135 million put into various forms of training, flat math scores. So the what happened is really significant. 
What's also significant is the why did it happen? And you, you spent some time talking to a Boise State University professor who has a theory. One of the big things that the state bought, uh, specifically with that $16.4 million for the math initiative, was a math instructional course for pretty much all teachers in the state of Idaho and all administrators. I think over five years, they got 12,000 educators through that course. And that was designed to kind of reprogram teachers and administrators thinking about math, to help them develop this deep conceptual understanding of math. That's how the director of the project, um, Professor Brendifer from Boise State University, Jonathan Brendifer, uh, headed up that project. And he said that in that regard, it was largely successful in helping the teachers who completed this 45-hour course uh, kind of reprogram their thinking on math. But uh, Professor Brindifer told me he's not necessarily surprised that this didn't move the needle on student achievement when it comes to math because he said the course for educators amounted to step one in, in a multi-step plan that wasn't executed. He said the key piece that was missing was the follow-up support for our teachers. He envisioned the system where Experts and math coaches would go in, physically go into local teachers' classrooms, observe their instruction, help them model new teaching practices, and he said that didn't happen. He said he warned state officials that that would be a concern 10 years ago, and they essentially told him, this is what Jonathan Brennifer told me, is that they like that idea, but they didn't have the time or the money to do it at that point. So lack of follow-up. So, Okay, so we're at this point. Uh, you alluded to Superintendent Ibarra saying this is a problem, the scores are stagnant. What is she looking at as a possible solution? It's kind of, Kevin, a familiar solution to folks who follow the legislative session and certainly folks that uh, read Idaho Education News. But uh, remember earlier this legislative session when she pitched her rural schools mm -hmm. center? Right. Um, she made kind of a late session push for it, and uh, it wasn't funded, and uh, she couldn't get the legislation passed. And so what she's saying is she's going to go back and pitch lawmakers again on this rural school center when the legislature reconvenes in January. And what she's going to recommend is embedding math coaches in these rural education centers. And she says that's the follow-up piece uh, that was missing. And so a couple of the details, though, on her proposal haven't been released, aren't clear yet. It's not clear how many regional education centers, rural education centers we're talking about, it's not clear what her dollar request is going to be of the legislature or how many coaches we're talking about. The coaches are kind of based on this similar program that's already in place right now for English language arts, and they want to replicate that uh, for math. And so it's not really clear how it would work or, or, or if it would work. If you remember last year when we talked about the rural school centers, uh, Superintendent Ybarra was talking about a pilot project uh, for just one center initially in the Coeur d'Alene area. And we didn't hear too many details at that point last year about uh, math coaches. So this is a little bit of a, of a new twist to, the, uh, to an older idea. And important to note that that older idea, legislature did not sign on even to the pilot program. And one of the criticisms that came up was a lack of specificity. Uh, lawmakers were trying to figure out, well, what exactly are we going to see for the $300,000 in the pilot program? I've got to imagine that there are going to be legislators who are going to be asking the same kind of questions about any kind of rural initiative in 2017, and probably asking the same kind of questions about math coaching in these rural centers. What would the state get 
from those those math coaches in the rural centers and what sort of impact might that have in the urban schools, which are also facing issues in terms of math performance? I think it's an important point, especially as far as our, our lawmakers are concerned. Some of the questions we heard is about the nuts and bolts of how the rural school center would work. Is this a part of the State Department of Education? Is it a new layer of government between the State Department of Education and our local school districts? Are the employees state employees? Are they contractors? And so some of the basic level questions about how it would work are likely to come up again. And then another thing that I can see coming, many school districts already employ instructional coaches. And so I'd like to find out a little bit more and I will ask the superintendent a little bit more about do these new math coaches, would they work with the existing instructional coaches? Would they complement each other? Would they be doing something different? Uh, And so I hope to visit uh, with the superintendent and her staff We'll know a little bit more, Kevin, next month once she uh, releases her initial budget blueprint. Right, September 1. And, the uh, and then as we get closer to the legislative session, I will ask her about that and look for some of those specific ideas. But it's an in-depth story. I, I, I talked to folks from the State Department of Education. I talked to Jonathan Brennifer from Boise State, who was heading up the math initiative and is still involved uh, as, as a regional math um, coach. And uh, so I'd encourage you to check it out if you're at all interested in this investment uh, that we made and the results that we saw and how it worked or didn't work. Head over to IdahoEdNews.org to check it out. And I know we were talking... There's so many policy implications here, too, because it it comes at a time when the state is investing in a STEM action center and they're hoping that the business community will sign on and support STEM initiatives as well. Well, the M in STEM is mathematics. So these kind of scores and this kind of uh, return on investment, that has to be uh, sobering news for a lot of folks who are really pushing the issue of of STEM, STEM awareness, creating a STEM-ready workforce. I mean, there's a lot of implication here. Matt, yeah, STEM has very much been a buzzword around the state house the last two years. They really want to shine a light on that. You hear about workforce needs. You, you, you hear uh, executives from software and technology companies uh, come and tell the governor, come and tell the legislature uh, that the students coming out of Idaho's educational pipeline just don't have uh, those real-world skills to jump in uh, and fill those positions that uh, that some business leaders are, say, going unfilled. So there's far-reaching implications here from this story, not only the funding aspect, uh, taxpayers' money, uh, K-12 policy, but certainly workforce uh, development. So there's a lot, lot to get into uh, in the story itself. Well, and one of the things that I thought of as I read it, and it's a great story, and one of the things that I thought of is we're beginning – totally different discipline, but we're beginning a literacy initiative in the schools this year. And it's a $9 million investment. And the goal, again, very important goal here. We've got uh, 37,000 kindergartners through third graders who are not reading at grade level. Uh, The goal is to get these kids reading at grade level so they're ready for fourth grade and beyond. And I'm not saying that that this isn't going to be a successful program. It's just started. We don't know. But I think, not to blow our horn too much, but I think this is where the media's role is important here. Watching to see what kind of results we get from the literacy initiative, looking back to see what sort of results we got from this math training initiative, and you know, spinning that story forward. What happens now? Are there new approaches to math training and uh, does the state get better results from that? So I agree with you about the watchdog role, and this is something... Uh, 
uh, that when we talk about the literacy program, they're separate things. I'm not saying we're going to get similar results, no, but it sounds a little familiar. If there was a report in 2008 to the legislature and to the public that said this math initiative, quote, will help raise student achievement in mathematics across all K-12 grades. If you subbed out the word mathematics for literacy or reading, that would be similar kinds of promises that are being made about this current literacy initiative. And so I think that's why it's important uh, to really watch how both programs go, where the money is spent, and, and, and to report back on are there results, what are the results, and, and, and so forth and so on. So that was my big project for the uh, week. And it's a great story. And again, IdahoNews.org, you read it. Also go on our Facebook page. We've got a lot of really good uh, discussion. A lot of very thoughtful comments posted. And, you know, it's nice to say that about social media comments. These yeah. are some very interesting, very, very enlightening comments. So read the story, join the conversation. Absolutely. So that was my big project this week. I want to offer a sneak preview for next week because you've had a project that you've been working on for several weeks now. And uh, what is it and where can folks find it? Okay. So August 25th, 2006. I don't know where you were 10 years ago. I was at the State House, and most education observers were at the State House. A very important day in sort of the history of how we fund education in the state. It was a one-day special session uh, orchestrated and engineered by then-Governor Jim Risch. We had a major shift in the way Idaho pays for schools. We eliminated $260 million of property taxes for schools and raised sales tax to cover most of that. Well, now we're 10 years out, and what I wanted to do, as part of a bigger look at education funding, what I wanted to do was take a look at what's happened in those 10 years since. So we crunched a lot in numbers. We looked at what happened in terms of uh, property tax collections, property uh, tax levies, supplemental levies, uh, what happened in terms of property value. I mean, you know, how much are we paying in property taxes per $100,000 in, in property value? So we did that. We crunched a lot of numbers, and we'll be able to break some new ground explaining to you what were the implications and the impacts of that law 10 years out. And then I get to spend a lot of time really kind of telling some stories about how people remembered that process, talked to a lot of the stakeholders, a lot of the key players, including now Senator Jim Risch, talking to legislators on both sides of this debate, uh, education stakeholders uh, across the spectrum. Really interesting kind of personal recollections and observations about how it worked and what it's done. So I'm really excited. It's a fun piece of storytelling. I think it's got a watchdog component in it. And part of what you can do when you read these stories is you'll be able to go onto a searchable table and you'll get to see what happened in your school district, what happened to the levies in your district, what happened to the property values in your district, and how does all that kind of calculate out into how much are you paying for schools per $100,000 in property value. So some searchable tables, because there are a lot of numbers, but really you're going to care about your district probably more than anything, but you can take a closer look at all of that. I'm really uh, looking forward to, to rolling all of that out. I'm looking forward to it as well. I've had a chance to read a couple of early drafts, and, and I think that people are really going to enjoy this. And I think it's going to surprise some people and definitely be worth their time. So be looking uh, for that right. next it'll start, week. It'll start Tuesday. I'll do kind of a blog that sort of explains what we're up to and kind of you know 
you know, some of my own recollections about this uh, as somebody who was uh, writing about it as an editorial page editor 10 years ago. And then Wednesday and Thursday, we get to the, to the meat of it and what were the impli- impacts of the law and what are some of the, uh, the recollections. So uh, check that out starting, starting on Tuesday. Absolutely. Look for that next week. And let's come back on Friday next week uh, and, and devote a lot of time on the Extra Credit pro- Podcast to your project uh, and breaking it down and, and putting it into perspective of what it all means. Before I let you guys go, I want to let our listeners know we're running a new back-to-school contest. If you want to win $100, uh, snap a photo of a family member of, or a child uh, of, of yours heading back to school. Connect with us at Idaho Education News on Facebook or at Idaho Ed News on Twitter. The rules are there. Uh, but I'd love to see one of our readers, one of our listeners, win a hundred bucks. If you're already you're, taking you're back to take school those photos anyway, so you may as well try to win some uh, win a prize for it. Absolutely, it's easy. That's open till September eighth. Uh, but in the meantime, I want to thank everybody for listening this week. As always, I'm Clark. I'm Kevin. Have a good week.